Hi, how are you? You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When it comes to parenting, there's nothing quite like the first year. For most of us, it's a massive shock to the system. No matter how prepared we think we are, the experience of caring for a newborn is like nothing else. And it can be incredibly hard. Amy Taylor-Kabaz is a mindfulness coach and author of Happy Mama, The Guide to Finding Yourself Again. Amy is all about supporting and nurturing mothers wherever they are at in their experience. Today, we're talking about how to support yourself in the first few months of parenthood. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you. Take us back to what it was like when you had your first child, because I look at you now as my guru of Zen, (laughs) and you help so many other mums find their balance that they might think, "Mm, this Amy, she just gave birth and floated on by raising her three children. What was it like for you when you first had your baby? Well, this is why they say you teach what you most need to learn because, no, I was a mess with my first baby. I I went into it completely unaware of the reality. I was the first in our group of friends to have a baby, so I really didn't have much experience of seeing my friends go through motherhood or what it looked like. We were the first couple, and um, I found it incredibly overwhelming, scary, constantly questioned whether we'd done the right thing. (laughs) Maybe this whole baby thing was a mistake. Um, And was physically and mentally very unwell for the first four to six months. I mean, I didn't realise at the time, but uh, pregnancy also triggered a thyroid disease within me. So I had the added element of a very broken body that I was unaware of for about four months. But also I was... um, completely lost with what to do with this baby who wouldn't sleep or feed or anything. You know, the first baby reality. I remember getting home from the hospital and walking in, and I know so many women and fathers have this story, but you walk in after the hospital and you put the baby on the floor in the bassinet and you look at each other and go, what do we do now? Right, okay, here we go. (laughs) We just wait, and then, you know, obviously she wakes up three seconds later and it all starts. But no, I was completely overwhelmed, and it really is why I started to do all of this work. My eldest is now 11, so it's been a decade of me trying to understand what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother. I think we're very good at throwing ourselves into what the baby needs and really not noticing or prioritizing what happens within us and how to support ourselves. We're getting better. When, you know, 11 years ago, self-care for mums was not even spoken about. I think we're getting a lot better, but we've still got so much more to do to understand how to support women. But also, I think we're our own worst enemies. Whereas the, as the mothers, we're the ones that don't prioritize, prioritize ourselves very well at all. So that's where the awareness and the education is really important. And that's what we're aiming to do today. So if you're listening and you have a new baby, perhaps you're breastfeeding as you listen to this or you know a mum who's in this position, we are hoping, Amy and I, that you can hear this message, it resonates with you and that you can take something away from this interview to help yourself in this what is, uh, I think, the most challenging part of becoming a parent is mm. the first year at least. Um, it gets easier. But let's talk about those first months. Um, you just described that 
space we get in where we put the baby down, we look at it, what do we do, starts crying and it all kind of snowballs from there. When a mum's in that place, when there's so much she's learning, how can she support herself when it feels like everything's just being thrown at her at once? I think the most important and life-changing understanding of this for me and for so many other mums is the idea of the fourth trimester. This is quite well known now. It's really growing in understanding and popularity. But to really kind of break that down, it is this acknowledgement that for the first three months at least, you need to be 100% in the newborn baby bubble. And that means no visitors, no trips to the shopping centre, no plans to get back into your jeans, <laughs> no cleaning the house, no like, and I know that for some of us, this isn't always completely possible, but within yourself, if you acknowledge that for those first three months, you are still in the process of learning and growing. And in those first three months, it's been proven that your baby still believes it's 100% a part of you. You're still attached both physically because they're always on you, but emotionally and spiritually and on every level, you are still very much a little duo and you must, must, must prioritize that. I know it's so easy in our busy world to especially after the first few weeks, you think, oh, well, I'll just start getting on with life. And I promise you, it might feel okay then, but by the time you get to month four or five or six and the baby's awake a lot more and you need to start doing a lot more, you will be completely drained and exhausted. So look at those first three months in particular as a way to build your inner resilience and strength and health and all of that. Because as you said, that first year, it's a long year. <laughs> it is. <laughs> How do you do that? I know that sounds like an obvious question, but once you've put that in your, ma- your mind, that the first three months, uh, you and the child are still one, how do you build resilience? How do you make sure you're healthy? Everything I want to say in this interview, it feels like it's... Um, It's just stuff that you've heard before. And it's really, really difficult to make this message sound new because it is what we hear all the time. But it's so, so important. The first thing is you have to ask for help. And I know we hear that all the time, right? We always, always hear it, but we don't do it. So my thing is, let's look at why you won't ask for help. What's going on there? Are you feeling like if I ask for help, it says that I'm not a good mum? If you ask for help, it means that I'm not coping. If you ask for help, it means that you don't know what you're doing and all of these things. So if for some reason you are really reluctant to ask for your mum to come over and help with the washing or ask your mother-in-law to bring some food or when someone offers something, say yes instead of saying, no, no, it's all good. I've got it, which we're very good at doing as women. Why is that? And can you... Just sit with that for a moment and try and change the way you feel about it. Here's the thing. Becoming a mother is a learnt process. You and your baby have to figure this out together. All of your attention and focus needs to be on that. It's okay to learn and grow and not know what you're doing. In fact, you're meant to. We're not meant to know what we're doing. We're meant to sit on the couch for three to six months and just be in this bubble 
and there is no judgment there and you have to really learn to be kind and compassionate to yourself about that because if you don't you block all of this support and I promise you as someone who did say no to all of that you end up very sick very run down, very tired and exhausted and not the mum that you want to be. So really look at it as this place of compassion that I am figuring this out and it's okay for me to not know yet. And by asking for help, it doesn't mean that I'm weak or that I'm doing it wrong. It's so true. We'll be back with Amy from Happy Mama right after this. The Parent Panel is now 100% podcast, so you can listen to your favourite parents and laugh along anytime, anywhere. My two daughters have looked at me and said, there are sharks everywhere. I went, oh, they're reef sharks, darlings. They're vegans. <laughs> I am guilty of handing over a iPad and saying, hey, watch this. Holy moly, it is so hard. Search for The Parent Panel on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to that period, I think possibly the hardest thing for everyone is sleep. Mm. The first six weeks can be all right because they're so tired from being born. Mm. That's my theory. Mm. Not scientific, but that's what I figure. Uh, But then it does really kick off. Do you have any advice on how mums can cope with sleep deprivation? I do. And I have to say that my first child didn't sleep from the moment she came home from hospital. I I didn't have that six-week buffer. I did with all my others, but the first baby I didn't at all. Sleep is such a touchy topic for mums, isn't it? And I just want to say from my heart to anyone who's listening that if you are really broken from sleep deprivation, there are things you can do to try and help you get some more sleep. You know, when you first said that you would ask me about this, of course, the first thing I thought was sleep when the baby sleeps and all of those things that we all hear. But the reality is I have coached and seen hundreds of mums over the years now who are at stage six months, nine months, 18 months, and they're still in this endless sleep deprivation cycle and are telling themselves that it's it's the way it has to be. You know, I, I don't have a choice. I, I This is just the way I have to accept it and it will pass eventually and really just um, not empowering themselves to look at some changes. So I know that there's a lot of fear around sleep training and there's some really horrible stories about that. But I have seen for myself in my own experience with my children and so many others as well through my programs and the women that I've spoken to, that there are some really beautiful, gentle ways that you can start to get your power back. Because for me, I think the worst part of the sleep deprivation is the anxiety of, oh my God, it's another night. What am I going to do? There's only going to be another three hours sleep. And it's this real sense of hopelessness. Whereas if you can just get little things back, like literally get your partner to do weekends and you go into a different room with head with um, earplugs and you just let yourself sleep for two nights and then you can catch up, you know, making sure that you do go back to bed every morning. So you might not be able to change what's happening overnight, even though there's some really gentle, beautiful things you can do. I feel like it's about taking a little bit of the power back and saying my sleep and my health is just as important here. 
And I wanted to bring you up with that one because thinking back to my own experience, even getting an extra hour's sleep in the morning, my husband used to take my daughter for a walk in the pram before he went to work. Even that one hour made me feel so amazing. And if you don't say yes or you don't ask for help, you never know how amazing you can feel just getting a couple of hours or even one night or two nights over the weekend. It makes all the difference. And it allows you, once again, that resilience and that inner kind of energy boost to keep on going. The worst thing in the world is this feeling of nothing's going to change. It's like an endless tunnel. That's how I felt when it was happening. And let's be really serious. It's a terrible place for mental health and adrenal fatigue and emotional health, all of these things. So Yes, sleep deprivation is part of a, of early motherhood, but if you're feeling like it's really becoming a point where you're breaking, you really have to try and start taking some control or power back and just see what some small changes you can make for yourself. It's so important. Somehow in all of this, we can forget to eat well. <laughs> I mean, I was very lucky, I've got to say, that my husband was a freelancer at the time we had our daughter. So he was around a lot and he was very good at making me lunch. But in my mother's group, I think I was the only one that regularly had a decent meal for lunch. And most of us were breastfeeding. So we were, all of this energy was going into our babies, but we weren't nourishing ourselves What are the ways around that when you like, I I remember not even thinking I had hands to make myself Mm. something to eat. Yes. Uh, Very practically, if you don't have family dropping food off or anything like that, with my first babies, we were in Adelaide and I had a beautiful Lebanese mother-in-law literally three streets away. And so our fridge was always full. But when we moved to Sydney and had a third baby, we ordered, you know, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the brand, but we got light and easy delivered to our house every week just for my husband and I because I I couldn't cook. I needed, not that we needed to lose weight. It wasn't a baby weight thing. It was literally I need nourishment and I need food that I know that is really good for me that I can pop in the microwave and there it is. So we did that for about four months. It was a really, really great way to support ourselves. And to be honest, those types of things, when you look at your shopping grocery bill compared to the food being delivered, it's, it's actually quite reasonable. I think... If you can look at yourself in those first few months to a year as this vessel, if you want to use this word, as this space that is absolutely nurturing and nourishing new life, if you can just switch this little thought in your mind to, if I am not okay, things won't be okay. Like you really have to be first. I know everyone thinks the baby's first, but no, the mother has to be first. And we do this really well in other cultures. You know, in other cultures, women don't even get out of bed for three months after birth. There is absolutely no expectations on them to be on social media or clean the floor or go to the supermarket or anything like that. And this is not the culture we live in. However, You can do this for yourself. If you just have a conversation with your partner and say, I'm really going to just need more support than I ever had when I was pregnant. Like this is even more important for nourishment and rest and staying in this bubble. And then every time you can think of it, 
put something nourishing into your body. I remember, I think it was with my second, I had a lot of problems after about six months with milk supply because I was running around after a toddler and whatever, went and saw the lactation specialist. And she's like, you are not eating enough. You need to eat five meals a day. Wow. (laughs) Five meals. I want you to have a big breakfast. And then at mid-morning, I want you to have another breakfast. And then I want you to have lunch. And then mid-afternoon, I want you to have a second lunch. And then I want you to have dinner. And then before bed, I want you to have supper. And I was like, I can't eat like that. I'm going to blow up like a balloon. Well, I tell you what, the only thing that blew up like a balloon were my boobs. (laughs) Within about three days, there was so much milk there. It, this is what our body needs. We, As you said, we are feeding and nourishing another life. Food is so important. And it's interesting, isn't it, how that um, switch flicks? Mm. Because before, when you're pregnant, you are very good at looking after what you eat and eating enough and resting enough and exercising when you need it and all of those things strange that when the baby comes we forget all that that's right well once again we think that the baby's out of us now so it's not our body that's not sustaining them anymore uh yes it is even more so actually so you're right when we're pregnant you know we wouldn't put anything past our lips that might damage that baby it is the same it has to be the same so if you can carry that sense of nurturing and kindness that you had towards your body in pregnancy into those early months, the result for both you and your baby will be amazing. Look, finally, we've talked about the physical. We've talked about when you're tired, when you're not eating well, when you're sore and all those sorts of things, what to do. But what about the mental side of parenting, which to me feels almost more challenging? Mm. It can be scary, joyful, boring, frustrating, all of these things together. It's a lot of emotions to deal with. How can we balance that and not let it overwhelm our experience? I totally agree. I think this is, um, well, in my experience, this has always been the bigger part of the story that I needed to focus on for myself. I found those thoughts in my head quite overwhelming, especially with the first one, and felt really scared and alone and like I was doing a terrible job. I think we have to, we we live in a very amazing time where we have so many resources at our fingertips. In the olden days, we would have been in a village and so we would have been surrounded by women talking to us all the time. And then we kind of retreated into our own homes. And I'm hoping that we're starting to get back into a time where we're connecting a bit more again, even if it is over the phone. Please call places like the Breastfeeding Association or the Parent Helpline. I don't know how many conversations I had with those beautiful people on the other end of the phone in that first year of parenthood, like crying and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And they just held the space for me and supported me and suggested a few different things. You have to talk to people. It really, really is amazing and important. And we have to have this sense of we're not alone. I think that's the really amazing and important part. And just for any mum who is really struggling with this at the moment, I did a meditation in this time period of my life and now have shared it with thousands of mums. It's been really important and really um, helpful. And that is to when you're sitting in the middle of the night and you're trying to get this baby to sleep or you're feeding or you're up again and you feel like you are the only one in the world going through this... I just used to imagine myself kind of 
coming out of my body and hovering up above myself over my house and then looking at my whole street and imagining that somewhere in my street there's another mum doing exactly the same thing and then going up a bit higher and imagining in my suburb there's about three of us probably doing this right now and then imagining how many mums are doing this with me in my city and then in the state and then in the country and then suddenly you're really feeling this connection with this tribe of women who are doing the same thing at the same time to really remind yourself that you're not alone and that the feelings and hormones and emotions that you're feeling are so part of this and reach out and feel that connection with others when with others when you need it what a beautiful place to end amy thank you so much for coming in thank you that's Amy Taylor-Kabaz. She's an author and mindfulness coach. And Amy has lots of information on her website and some great online courses you can do. We'll put a link up to that on our website. Head to babyology.com.au forward slash feed, play, love. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.